welcome to the Stalk and I podcast for single women considering solo motherhood by donor conception. I'm your host, Mel Johnson, the solo motherhood coach and solo mum to a three-year-old daughter. For series four of the podcast, I talk to a variety of professionals about specific topics relevant to solo parenthood where they have an expertise. George, thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast today. No worries. Good. Thanks very much for having me. You're very welcome. Um, I know a lot of people, it's one of the top topics actually that people ask me about finances and I am 100% not qualified to (laughs) support people on this topic. So hopefully you can share um, some useful information with people. So before we get started, do you want to give yourself a little bit of an introduction? Yeah, sure. So I'm a chartered financial planner. Um, I run Principles Personal Finance, which is in a financial education site. I've been fortunate enough to be on some of the UK's biggest podcasts uh, talking about this. I work with the Personal Finance Society to improve financial education in schools. And I've also run educational sessions previously for single parents. So that's kind of a, a bit of an overview. Um, I should probably say as well, just to throw in a bit of a risk warning, uh, anything that we talk about in this session is only going to be for informational and educational purposes and uh, shouldn't be seen as advice. Perfect. Thank you. So um, as you know, my audience are people considering solo motherhood or those who are solo mums already. Mm. And one of the biggest considerations for many people is, will I be able to afford to do this? There's two, I suppose, different considerations that people have. One is the cost of treatment because it can be really expensive to pay for treatment. But probably the bigger worry for people is, can I afford just on an ongoing basis to be a solo parent? Um, You know, a lot of people don't really know how much it's going to cost because you're sort of not in that situation at the moment. So I suppose my question is, where do people start from just the basics of how do I know if I can afford this? What's your advice on where to start with this? Yeah, it's such a great question. And it is like many of the big financial decisions, you know, kind of at the end of the day, all financial decisions are ultimately just life decisions reframed is the truth. However, to give you a bit of an indication, because I think crucially, the key thing, as you rightly say, is like, where do I start? How do I even begin to know how much it's going to cost? There's no hard and fast rules. But according to Child Poverty Action Group, apparently the cost for a lone parent in 2020, they calculated was about £97,862 over 18 years. So that's annualised about £8,155 a year if it is all years are equal, which they won't be. Now, the crucial thing about this is this didn't include things like housing, childcare, and some additional costs and so forth. They calculated that when they factored in full costs, that came up to about £185,413 a year, which is about £10,300 per year. So I'm just going to let everyone panic and that sink in. <laughs> but some of that you'd be paying anyway. You'd be paying like for your house and stuff. Yeah. Regardless, exactly. if it's not additional cost in that sense. Yeah. So the, well, the basic cost was because it was excluding. The basic cost was additional. Yeah. The higher cost was things you'd probably anyway be paying. Yeah, and I've really got to kind of say that even though these studies come out, the studies have no real reflection on what your life is going to be like because it's going to be so dependent on your own circumstances. You know, one of the things you just mentioned there, Mel, which is a really 
yeah, great point is, you know, cost of treatment if you go through IVF and, and that is going to be entirely dependent on your own circumstances as well. I think the key thing, though, is having something as a guide so that you know going in that it is almost certainly going to be much more expensive than it is for just yourself if you are a single parent at this moment in time. So ultimately, while we can't have absolute certainty on how much it's going to cost for the kid, because that's going to often depend on uh, childcare, it's going to depend on your working patterns, it's going to depend on your own decisions around their education as well, and if there's going to be additional costs maybe not even private schooling, but potentially additional studies. They may have hobbies and so forth to factor in. So you're not going to really be, ever be able to go in apart from looking at a study to give you a guide with anything that is going to reflect reality because that's going to be as individual as you are and as individual as undoubtedly your child is going to be as well. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't put yourself in a great position going into that experience and in my personal opinion, the best way you can do that is to really take control of your own finances, give yourself the best position of strength so that you know going in roughly what your own expenditure is for an individual. Once you've done that, you can then have a look at adding on, okay, so realistically, you know, if I'm going to be spending um, X, Y, Z, this is what my headroom is. This is how much I'm spending compared to my expenditure. And you can give yourself a pretty good idea of where you're going to sit. And also as well as if you have other, you know, other parents and so forth in your area, because I'm very aware as well, depending on the geographical location of your audience, um, you know, do you have certain areas of your audience, Mel, which is, is all over the country? Is it in a certain... It's actually all over the world. So wow. there are a lot of people from the UK. There's a, a big percentage of people do live in London, but, but actually I've got people from all over the world, which is very then difficult to give advice. Even on my course, I try to give some advice, but I mean, depending what country you live in is substantially different from specifically from childcare, which yeah. is one of the biggest initial costs I would say people have to pay. So yeah, it's hard to, we have, we have to sort of give quite generic um, information because it will really depend what country you live in. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's, you know, that's a really good point as well, because it is going to depend entirely, especially if you've got international viewers, um, the benefit system is going to be potentially entirely different in the US yeah. as it would be in the UK. So it's going to be very difficult to, to give any indication. And that's why I lent in with a study because I was like, well, <laughs> we can always just blame the study if it's wrong. Yeah. Um, it's never going to be bang on. However, there's a lot you can do about your own circumstances by analyzing your current expenditure and kind of extrapolating from there, really. Yeah. One of the things that I do advise people, and then you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, is from my experience, the biggest initial expense is childcare. So um, again, it will be very different per country. But if we take the UK, you have a period of maternity leave, which is a specific time that you could you can do some calculations on how much you would be getting for, for maternity, calculating how long you can have off and that sort of thing. And then once you finish maternity and go back to work before the child starts school, for me, that is the really challenging time finance wise because you'll be putting them in childcare presumably unless you've got someone else to look after them and it's really expensive but you can find out approximately how much it costs what your options would be and and start doing your budgeting 
around that. And the way I looked at it is I've just got to get through these sort of like, really for me, it was two years because in the UK, when the child's three, you get quite a lot of help from the government. Mm. You get 15 or 33 hours. Um, And my daughter went when she was nine months. So between nine months and three, I was like, that's the period of time. Mm -hmm. I've got to figure out how the heck I can pay for this childcare. So just in terms of people sort of sorting out how much money they would need you can have a look how much childcare costs in your area and what your options might be to give you an indication at least of how how expensive or not it would be as as an example where i lived in manchester it was about 75 pound a day for childcare and now i've moved to southport it's about 45 pounds a day and so that's how different it's only an hour down the road <laughs> that's how different childcare costs can be so so I do think people can have have a look more into that and how they would be able to afford it for that period of time I don't know if that's good advice that's what I tell people no well, I, I think ultimately kind of what you, you talk about there Mel really is kind of just the foundation of any planning which is okay so what are the known quantities mm. you know what do we what because I think it's really especially when the, probably the key thing that I would say to take from a financial planning perspective from this can apply to anyone from this podcast is yes, there's uncertainties, but that doesn't mean that you can't bring clarity to your own situation. Okay. And the way you can do that is just by working it through and thinking about it. So what you mentioned there, Mel, which was great is, you know, is specifically that was in relation to, I think the tax-free childcare um, government support and so forth. Yeah. And it's little things like that, that you can plan for. You can look at your maternity pay. You can look at what you'd expect your wages to be after that. You can look at your area. Um, and for example, childcare costs and what that is likely to be, you can make inquiries. I'm sure you already have done with your family in relation to what level of support you could expect. Yeah. You know, you can speak to friends and family about understanding what your support network is like. And if you do that, you have two choices and I think one of the things that is very easy to do especially with something as emotive as finances is that it can be easy sometimes to bury your head in the sand and maybe not approach Mm. these things but ultimately while we can't say that especially in something as variable as having a, a child we can't bring complete certainty you can absolutely plan through these little stages mm. and even if you're not in a strong financial position you'll be so so much better having mapped this out yourself and have a good idea of where you're going compared to potentially not having the plan at all mm. and getting caught out by circumstances as they come along and is there any good resources that you would point people to? I, this is probably going to have to be UK specific, but um, of what you might be entitled to, because I know that's one of the things people struggle with. Well, will I be entitled to free childcare? How do I find out? Will I be entitled to tax credits? Or I don't know, I'm not entitled to any of them. So, I, um, But is there anywhere people can find that information where would you point people to yes so so there is a website called entitled to um there is also turn to us.org which is a charity which provides support if people are struggling financially there's also citizens advice which um isn't going to be the quickest process um ever however Benefits generally is a very specialist area, uh, so much so that even as a financial planner having qualifications on the things like that, it's still something where if somebody was to 
come with that sort of query, I would refer them to a benefit specialist because it is so specialist and it can be so many, many variants. But there are lots of areas of support you can go to in relation to that. So once you've done your own research on, for example, the things like the government website, you know, money saving expert in fairness is very good for things like this, especially on things like tax free childcare and child benefit and all the rest of it. Um, it wants, if you then go through the other routes like citizens advice and title to turn to us, um, and then even if you happen to get caught on a bad situation financially, there is also various, um, organizations, charities, such as, you know, if they have issues with housing, there's a shelter charity, the step change over debt. Um, there's Christians against poverty for debt. Um, there's a counseling directory for counseling about debt. You know, there is a lot of support and I would say as a single parent, while I'd, I'd seriously hope that no one would have to go to some of the, you know, the, the ones where it's clear you're struggling, um, it's certainly better to be aware of these support, um, you know, these, these sort of networks in place, really. Yeah. So I suppose what you said before really rings true to me. I think if it's something you're nervous about, there does seem to be a tendency, not with everyone, but with some people to bury your head in the sand, whereas actually you can really put yourself on the front foot by doing all of this research, finding out what you're entitled to, finding out what your outgoings are, what childcare might be, and just pulling as much of a plan together as you can so you know what your situation is going to be. At least I would say, some people want to plan what it's going to be till the child's 18, but (laughs) at least I say from when they're born to when they start school, because I think it does start getting slightly easier once they're in school. Not People may still have, you know, may may still find it hard, but for sure, at least that cost of childcare um, has gone down then. Yeah, exactly. You know, sort of planning is, it's like kind of, you know, if you were painting on a canvas, if you're trying to plan 18 years ahead, all you can really do is the broad brush strokes. You can give an idea of what you want it to look like. You're not going to be able to get the detail, but that doesn't mean that you can't put in some work to when that time comes. Now, if you've got a few months away, if you've got a year or two away, then you can really start focusing on the detail because you know it's likely your circumstances aren't going to change that much. But um, one of the key, key things that everyone can do, and, and I think this is something which I harp on a lot about in my educational work. And I say, whether you are doing really well or whether you're struggling, it's important to start by knowing your income and your expenditure, putting together a detailed budget. Um, it's, and it's absolutely essential. And I think it's also easy to be in a position where, oh, I'm too good for doing a budget. I know what my income and expenditure is like. And I understand that for what it's worth, I've done budgets and I continue to do budgets myself because I see it as a really important area of your personal finance because fundamentally, if you can't spend less than you earn, you are going to really struggle to put yourself in a strong position, not only now, in the future and potentially for your child's future as well. So it's really crucial to make sure that you start doing that and make a budget. And that can be as simple as, you know, basically writing down, um, going through your bank statements, what do you spend on a monthly basis? I tend to suggest putting them into categories, which is the essentials, which as the name suggests, things that you can't do without. Typically, this would be mortgage payments. This would be food, utilities, all the rest of it. Then you've got discretionary. So that's stuff which you um, intend to spend, but uh, you could potentially go without if pushed. Uh, so this might be, for example, like holiday savings and all the rest of it. And then you've got, in addition to that, lifestyle. And lifestyle is stuff that you don't have to do, but you want to do. Sort of aspirational spending. 
if you can have a good and intuitive idea of what those three layers are, the idea is then that you know your bottom lines are essential, but the other two can go if times get tough. Mm-hmm. And that can give you a bit more freedom and an understanding of where you stand in relation to your income. And I think what's just a really interesting point, which is not really to do with finance, but I just want to pull out of that, is that people um, that I speak to then start to feel guilty that that third category, they're not necessarily going to provide for their child. I personally think that for the child, what they need is experience and love and you know stuff that you don't have to spend money on. I don't think any child is going to really miss out because somebody hasn't got the money to take them on a fancy holiday in fact kids love camping in the back garden even so I I really just want to say that I don't think people should feel guilty that they feel like they might not have that extra in that third category because you can there's many things that you can do with children that you know that don't you don't have to spend money now I'm in a very luxurious position where I can do that so people might be like what's she talking about she just took her daughter to Peppa Pig World and that cost loads of money <laughs> but there are lots of things you know we go in for walks on the beach we go for picnics on the beach we do stuff in the garden so there's lots of things you know you, you can be creative I think is is the point of how to do stuff without spending lots of money yeah I, th- I think I think you're absolutely spot on there and um you know I think uh, firstly you know the, the child's first foremost and most important experience is you and the family at the end of the day isn't it that yeah. that's that's what they truly value if you want to be a bit more flippant you can say children don't know it's rubbish you know I remember <laughs> when I was young like I could that you know when you go into holidays and you look back and think no oh, that was a bit rubbish <laughs> but yeah. you only know that in hindsight when you're young you have a great great time yeah. um so but I, I think you're absolutely right I, th- I think it's it's so interesting and um you know one of the things kind of on when you're kind of getting onto budgeting and it's it's a part of finance that I find really interesting, which is sort of around the behavior and the emotive side of money. Um, because money is so emotive. And yeah. there's another financial planner called uh, Catherine Morgan, who does some really excellent work around that. Yeah. And and she kind of talks a lot about um, a couple of things, kind of like self-sabotaging money beliefs that we have. Um, for the fact that sometimes in relation to spending, it's really easy to sometimes feel maybe not worth it. Or for example, the other way around where you can find that you're spending because it's filling a void and so mm. forth. And emotions play such a huge part in our spending for ourselves. So right. that's clearly going to seep into um, our experiences, especially with children as well, isn't it? You know, cause we want to give them the best we can, but, uh, but ultimately I think you're right. I think it's important not to um, uh, worry at all too much mm. about that sort of projection which at the end of the day what it is um about it it's got to be you know the best holidays and so forth mm. the most important thing is just to you know to provide the care the level of care that you can yeah what what i invented probably i didn't invent it but i felt like i did it was like this renting methodology so um i didn't do it for financial reasons actually i did it for environmental reasons but i thought I'm not going to buy a whole load of new stuff that I'm only going to use for a short period of time. And so I got all of my stuff um, when Daisy was a baby from Facebook Marketplace or similar things to that. And so, for example, a cart, I bought a really nice cart 
bought secondhand from Facebook Marketplace and I bought it from there. And then like a year and a half later, I sold it back on there for £10 less than I bought it for because it was still in really good condition. So really, I rented it for a year and a half for £10. <laughs> That's like what my mentality was. And it, and it doesn't need to be really about finance. It needs to be about the fact that we don't really need all of this stuff like new um and then you can just buy the things that you do need new like you're meant to buy a new car seat and you're meant to buy um a new mattress and stuff like that but there's they're the only real things and other than that you're doing the world a favor the planet not contributing to loads of new stuff that you're only going to use for a short amount of time so I think there's definitely ways to minimize the costs in those early days and like it's but it's really controversial it's like societal pressure so for my daughter's birthday when all of them up until now have bought her stuff from Facebook marketplace again not for financial reasons but because because I don't want to introduce any more plastic and and they're fine they're like she doesn't know that they're secondhand anyway at the you know at the moment and even if she did for me it, that, that's not an issue either so um yeah I really like the the renting methodology that you just get it for a period of time and then give it to the next person who needs it after that so I think that can be helpful for people who are looking to um to save a bit um so talking of saving that's the next question I've got. So people ask me, how much money do I need saved to feel more secure? Which I know there's absolutely no answer to, but <laughs> how would you answer that question? Like what's a good amount of money or how, or what sort of things you need to think of around how much, if any, savings you need? That's such a great question. And the thing that I actually tapped onto there that I thought was to feel secure, that, that's such an interesting point of view isn't it because mm-hmm. we've all got such different narratives on what that means um and what being secure financially is like some i've, I've had clients where you know huge amounts of cash just being held because it's all about making them feel like they want to be secure in their finances and that's how they do it but let's try and give something a bit more practical and something that can be uh, applied to a few more people so fundamentally what you can do is Ultimately, when you're looking at an amount to save, you need to have a look firstly at your own circumstances. So if we go back to the initial point of getting a budget in place, if you haven't done that already, it's going to be really hard to draw some sort of conclusion without knowing what your income and expenditure is. It's also going to be really difficult to know what what is an appropriate level of saving because I'm just going through this like I would like a planner would basically, and I'm kind of talking out loud because I'm hopefully you can think through the process with me, whoever's listening on on this one. Um, And then if we think about your income, you go, okay, so at what point do we know your income is going to change? So for example, this would be in the UK maternity leave or maybe the work position going forward. What levers do we have there as far as work? Like for example, um, how secure is the job? That's a crucial thing, absolutely crucial thing to be aware of because everybody's cash savings or savings that they need to have in place, it's all contextual to how secure the job is. For example, Typically, you know, if you've got somebody who, I don't know, is a medical professional who's been in their post for 10 years, you could argue that they're going to be considerably stronger compared to, for example, a, doc, um, a, a contractor um, who has just started a couple of months before. Mm-hmm. So it has to be contextual to those situations and it has to start with your income and expenditure. 
broad guides, say three to six months as emergency savings is the place to start. However, you've got to contextualize this. And this is where I kind of want to bring it back to the single parent element, to your own circumstances and what's going to be happening going forward in relation to you know, raising a child and so forth. Mm. So again, you, you've got to be factoring in this as part of the planning process, you know, how your income is likely to change. And I appreciate it might seem like a lot to take in, but you can work these things out. You can go, right, here's my expenditure. Here's how much savings I have in place. And here's the buffer that I would like. Um, and that buffer might be for various things. It could be to, to give you the freedom to move the job. It might be to give you the freedom so that you can, um, you know, ultimately just have an amount in the bank should the worst happen for something that comes out or maybe even treatment wise, you know, if you're potentially starting your journey and maybe needing IVF treatment or whatever it may be, that amount in the bank is going to have to clearly reflect that there might be a couple of investments that you may need to, to complete the treatment. So it's so, so individual, but like anything with the planning, it's important just to go through the steps and think, right, where am I going to be? How much is, how much is enough for me to feel comfortable? And should there be the worst case scenario, you know, how long do I think I would need to dip into those savings before I'd be earning again, be it three months, six months. And when you've kind of gone through those questions, you should at the end of it have a rough idea of how much money that is. Um, and that's a starting point. And hopefully that can apply to everyone as far as a rough guide. Brilliant. And then, I mean, I always say to people to sort of try to be a bit creative as well in terms of how to do that, because I've heard such good stories. You know, I've heard of people who've moved from a city to a town because their rent has halved and that's giving them some money back or they've got a lodger or they've moved in with their parents for a year before they're going to do this to save up a sum of money or they've got a second job in the evening or they've, you know, there's so many things that you can try to do once you know what your situation is and how much you like what your target is and it's so much easier to plan isn't it when you've got that, that detail yeah exactly and, and it all really starts with knowing the core components which is the income and expenditure and then mapping out what it's going to look like over the next couple of years for you as, as well as you can and the key the key thing just to kind of reiterate in planning is just because the situation is going to change doesn't mean that it's not worthwhile planning. Like uh, one of the key things we say with planning, and this is as relevant for somebody who's just about to retire mm. as to somebody who's potentially about to have their first child is that a plan in itself is in many ways meaningless because a plan could be completely void tomorrow if things change. But planning as the process is everything because it's about knowing, right, here's what happens if I do this. And then mm. if the, I'll change the plan. And it's about having that strategy compared to, doing nothing effectively and then just having to react um but I, I think what you were saying mel as far as the kind of the, the key points towards saying yeah getting creative in relation to your levers ultimately are your income and your expenditure and mm -hmm. there are so many things in between that you can do um to potentially increase that you know one of my episodes on my principles personal finance channel is five essential tips how to save money and right. You know, one of that, the five that I gave was, you know, firstly, kind of similar to what we're talking about with the planning is know why then remind, which is basically have a really clear goal for any saving, because it'll make it easier to save if you know why you're saving in the first mm -hmm. place. For a single parent, that's going to be quite easy because it's likely you're going to be the child. Um, pay yourself first. 
So once you've done a budget and you know roughly how much you've got money coming in and coming out, potentially move that money to a separate savings mm. account with your bank so that you've paid yourself first as far mm. as you're saving. Uh, re-examine your bills, which is a key one. Martin Lewis really has got that kind of... It literally, Martin Lewis just sprang to my mind yeah, as soon yeah. as you said that. <laughs> He's, he is by far the master um, at that. And, and yeah. I'm not going to tread on his toes. I'm just saying that there's, there's a reason he's so popular. Um, yeah. Once you've done those things, automating your bills. So for example, say you know what's happening um, and you know you know that you've got a surplus of 300 pounds a month. It can really help to look at automating that through your bank mm-hmm. so that you know automatically so that you're not having to, you're removing the resistance onto saving. And then also the, the next ones are just kind of, it's very similar to all the things you mentioned. It's getting creative, which is the logic kind of situation. It's uncovering your hidden valuables and, you know, looking at using eBay and Gumtree and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's potentially looking at if you can um, potentially do uh, additional work at a certain point, you know, mm-hmm. in a convenient way. That's that's what the only probably good thing of the mm-hmm. pandemic is that the position in relation to work has become a bit more True. flexible now. My mum used to laugh and say, if it wasn't nailed down in this house, it was going on Facebook Marketplace. Because when <laughs> I moved house, like everything was, but it's incredible. Like my friends were saying to me, oh, I need to be better at this because it is time consuming, but so worthwhile from so many different points of view to get rid of the stuff you don't need to declutter, but also it provides you, you know, um, some finances, um, particularly actually in the first years of having a baby as well, because you've got so much baby stuff. So I'm obsessed with Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> okay, so where do people need to go and look, find that uh, video? Yeah, so if you just go into YouTube, um, I've got various videos just on kind of education, informational stuff, just put principles, personal finance in. Um, and you, you'll see one of the videos called five essential tips, how to save money there's lots else there kind of going over more broader topics. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the episodes. Brilliant. I think that'll be super handy for people because, um, you know, it, like you say, it just gives you a clear goal and then you can just get your head into, okay, this is what I, I then need to do. So, um, you mentioned disaster. If, if disaster happens, I'm always really conscious of this because um, when people ask for my advice, I also am the same as what you said, you know, I, I cannot give you financial advice, but, but my generic advice is what is your plan in a disaster situation? So, you know, are you going to be out on the streets or is your plan that you um, have to move in with your parents or that you have to take some money out of your savings or whatever it might be. But if it's that you're going to be, you can't afford the next mortgage payment and you'll be out on the streets, then then you need to really think carefully about, you know, what, what you need to put in place. Have you got any advice for you know, planning for the worst case scenario and how you can set yourself up in the best way you can. Yeah, and it's 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 such a difficult one. It kind of takes you into almost a bit of a, a, a bad headspace, doesn't it? Without a doubt, thinking about that. But yeah. I guess in kind of in in sort of planning conversations, you know, we have not necessarily I'd necessarily say on, on the streets sort of conversations, but we do have these conversations with clients where it's kind of like you know, you may sack me for having this conversation with you, but you should certainly sack me if I don't have this conversation because we need to talk about the downside because part of my job is to protect that, to make sure that, you know, you're never in a position where you run out of money or whatever the situation may be. So let's, instead of maybe thinking about as if that happened to ourselves, 
because I think that's because what the first natural human thing is like, oh no, what would, you know, as catastrophized, yeah. let's think about it in a way, imagine it was a friend we were trying to help who was facing this. And to be honest, Mel, a lot of the things that you were saying there are undoubtedly the logical starting points. So we look at that and we go, let's walk through how far are we away from what we would consider a disaster point? Um, you know, and as you say, if that's a mortgage payment, then that is a position where we go, right, okay, the priority is we just have to try and improve your financial situation mm-hmm. as much as we can first, because that that is a difficult financial position. And unfortunately, no no guidance from, from anyone can really solve that. It has to come from the individual to, to try and make that, make that improvement in whichever way they can. But let's say in a more general way, um, the key things you would look through is you'd go, right, let's say the worst came to fast and, and you know you lost your job are the savings in place what about additional support in relation to the family what about and then if somebody is in that position and that is potentially an option i would say well then it is definitely definitely worth getting educated as much as and as soon as you can in those additional support networks mm-hmm. so for example you know if you are really concerned about losing housing find out from an entity like shelter um, about what the supports are go find out about the you know the benefits and how they apply to you speak to a specialist at citizens advice talk to them about your concerns because this is all part of the planning process where it can't unfortunately resolve a difficult situation but god it can make it a hell of a lot easier if you have a strategy in place should that happen mm. um, and ultimately then you know if you've gone through savings backup support family and so forth um you know you will at least know what your outcomes are so it's not a a panic situation should the worst happen and i think um a lot of people spend a lot of time worrying about the worst case scenario um i mean i know even i think what if i got made redundant and then that coincided with this and that you know you write a full story in your head about uh, this whole thing that could happen which would mean Um, you're in financial trouble and I think a lot of people do it but I think in particular solo parents do it because you haven't got another person as um as that joint support it is only you that is the um you know the, the only one bringing income into the house so it can feel like a lot of pressure um in that you know if something happens to your income unexpectedly then um yeah, then then you 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 might be in trouble because there's no leeway from another person i guess it would have to yeah, be from and, savings and and that is you know and, and that's uh, undoubtedly the, for any single parent i think that's undoubtedly the case and and i would argue though there are two reactions that come can come to pass for this and i guess the, the one that we want is not one is that we just go right we've got to try and get as much of the handle on this as possible because it is so much that responsibility is there just kind of going back to those um because i talked about a second ago just about you know walking through the process but just on that losing the job side i just want to mention mm-hmm. so so there's kind of two elements there's a career element and i guess a health related so i'm just going to address both so one is yeah. if it's a career related issue another is if a health related so yeah. Let's say it's just a career related. First thing to do is to get a handle of your employment contract because ultimately that's going to be a really big deciding factor in relation to what you would get. So you mentioned Mel redundancy. Yeah. You may well be entitled to quite a substantial redundancy pay depending on how long you've been there. Yeah. Um, 
secondly obviously looking at the emergency fund that we're talking about you've got to be thinking if this employment contract isn't very strong is there any way we can strengthen the emergency fund another good question to ask yourself though is okay so worst comes to worst you need to look for another job well what are your marketable skills you know where is there a way that you could potentially move into a different industry or to a different Mm -hmm. career path what's the backup there and then once you've gone over those points you can go okay long term if that is a genuine concern is there a way to potentially improve that so that it is less of a concern you know and maybe improving skill sets um, something like that and, and i think it's just worth looking at that for just the career related element if it's health because there are things you can do specifically health related as well one is look at your sick pay clearly um, but another key thing and this is where it does get into regulated areas so you've got to speak to regulated professional like myself or to someone who is qualified to give advice on this but there are products that you can put in place for example which can protect your income against sickness over the long term so for example um you know the key one is in protection you may have heard of um and there are things like that where ultimately that can potentially pay all the way to state pension age and provide a level of cover it is private insurance uh, income protection so there's cost for it um, and that obviously has to be factored in because any advisor worth their salt needs to make sure it's affordable fundamentally for it to work but i would definitely suggest that that's a key thing to be aware of as part of the financial planning it's your health as well because if you're reliant on your ability to earn it makes complete sense to look at protecting that because yeah. without it you struggle and if nothing else i'm sure it gives you that peace of mind as well like you want to take that worry away don't you so yes. at least that gives you an extra peace of mind in there actually one of the things that i wanted to ask you was just back to this money mindset piece so okay. i think there's so much worry about this and i think what i see is quite a lot of people with almost like a scarcity mindset that there's never going to be enough and worried about it is there any general tips in terms of a money mindset or is it more complicated than you need to really get into a full-scale course on it well i guess like, like many things around that it depends on the scale of the problem because i think we've got to look at it and think okay is this a legitimate concern, um, which is kind of, you know, you look at it and go, right, okay, yeah, I can understand why you're worried about money because of the maths of your personal financial position. Right. Or is this something that's purely removed from that, which is actually more of an emotive thing? So typically, uh, you know, an example may be somebody whose, um, you know, family went bankrupt when they were a child, and then it doesn't really matter how much money they make. Mm-hmm. They've got that scarcity mindset. And money is a story we tell ourselves that's one of my episodes actually on the channel um, which kind of tries to address this and it's important to look at that because those beliefs are going to shape your behavior with money there's no simple answers to that again Catherine Morgan does some excellent work on on um, various episodes on this so maybe we've got a link in the description I can put a few which I think are particularly good but ultimately the first step like anything in relation to self-improvement is self-awareness um and that's why I would say starting with that position, for example, on knowing the maths of it, the budgeting, the planning and all the rest of it, because if you've got to that position and you've got a really good handle of that and you're still constantly worrying about income and expenditure, despite actually legitimately having a good handle of those things, 
then there is something else potentially there in relation to a mindset thing. And, and there's nothing to be ashamed of that. That's really quite yeah. common, firstly. Um, I, think, I think it's so I hear it from so many people and it's some of it is around the unknown as well because yes. you you used to being just you that you need to financially look after and perhaps you haven't really got many worries at that point but thinking of taking on a responsibility for another human and not knowing what that's going to entail sometimes it's that unknown element that causes additional anxiety I would say as well yeah absolutely absolutely and um, I think also certainly for a single parent the there is clearly more responsibility there on you as an individual so yeah. i think the first thing to do is just to acknowledge that that's a completely natural thing to to think mm-hmm. about and you know it's it's certainly something never anything to feel shameful about the fact that there is that concern there because we all worry about money and if you've got a young child and you're a single parent of course you're going to worry a little bit about money um mm-hmm. and just i think it's important to come from a position of acceptance first and then, you know, look at the other steps and then kind of get out the detail um, and sort of work on it from there. Brilliant. Okay, great. What other advice would you give people? Is there anything else that we should share with the listeners? Yeah, so so on an informational kind of basis, other areas that, to really be aware of is um, one document that you definitely need to be thinking about if you are a single parent is it's a power of attorney. Um, basically, um, what a power of attorney is is it ultimately is uh, gives somebody the legal ability to either should you become incapacitated or there are other types of attorneys but i'll just deal with the, the most common and how it works um look after your financial decisions or potentially your health and well-being uh, there are two specific types that you can get why is that important why does that matter why should someone be aware well imagine you're a single parent and you've got a young child Without that, let's say the worst should happen and you were to become incapacitated, so car accident, stroke, all these horrible things that can happen. Mm-hmm. What you may find is that you may find that actually the bank accounts then get locked because the bank ultimately has to protect your assets because you're mm-hmm. incapacitated. Mm-hmm. And that maybe there is family members. And I should mention, by the way, this is only really appropriate for UK uh, listeners yeah. because yeah. international, this isn't going to apply. Um but it may then mean that, for example, maybe you've got family, brother, sister, whatever, or parents, whatever it may be, they are unable to help keep money moving, mm-hmm. make big financial decisions. Um, so that's one. Um, if you have a look also the story of if you've watched kind of this morning, uh, Kate Garraway, one of the presenters in this morning, her husband, Derek, I think his name was, suffered hugely with COVID and was out for a very long time. She didn't have a power of attorney in place for him. And, um, you know, you can find quite a few details online about how torturous the whole process was for her. And it's one of those things that people don't really tell you about. No one, you know, this is one of my kind of passion things with principles, personal finances. There's so much that we don't actually talk about in school, which is pretty essential. You know, no one's told you about power of attorney, but can Mm. ruin your life if you don't have it in place. Um, Wills are another one which is important to be aware of. Um, basically, if you don't have a will in place, should the worst happen to you and you pass away, um, it will fall under the rules of intestacy. Now, for a single parent, if you've only got, for example, a child or a couple of children, um, under the rules of intestacy, it would go directly to, if you don't have, if you're not married, it would go directly to, to the kids. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that all of your estate will be distributed and all the things in relation to the care over the child will be appropriately managed. So 
I would definitely suggest that's something to worth having a look at um, and speaking to either a solicitor. There's various um, things online that you can now do wills and powers of attorneys through. And they're just two little bits of life admin that if they're not in place, they can cause the family a lot of heart, heartache and, and difficulty. And it, I think with a will, it's similar to what you were mentioning before. It's something that you don't really want to do because it yes. makes you face um, a situation you don't want to think about. And so I know for myself, I did put it off because I just thought, oh, it's, it's one of those things that you don't really want to do. You don't want to think it could ever happen. Um, but, but funnily enough, when I did it, um, just because of a situation that my mum and I have got, what transpired is if I had died, my mum's, my mum would be homeless basically because I needed to put something in my will to make sure that, that the property that we jointly own didn't have to be sold. And um, that was just like a, I'd not even thought about that, but luckily when I went through my will, and that's the sort of thing I think you're referring to, it will, so, it will get solved, but not necessarily in the way that you would have, have solved it. So, so, so important to, to do it. And if you're scared about it, just almost like take the first step to reach out to a solicitor to help you start it because it will just be so much beneficial. Yeah, I think that's a great that's a, a great story because it, it kind of perfectly illustrates something that you kind of see as a financial professional all the time because you, you deal with all of this stuff. So it's, it's, it's great to have that story because it kind of reinforces the things that I sort of see regularly, which is mm -hmm. just that it's very, very rare without those documents in place that should something happen, um, it actually be in line with what you would want to happen. Mm. And what it basically means is that your family, like in your case, Mel, it would have been your mum, would have to go through an awful admin period um, to yeah. trying to get it all sorted. And Which is the last thing you need at that sort of time exactly. as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Great advice. Just one question, you might not be able to answer it. So lots of people say to me when I talk to them about wills, because I do always say to everyone, get a will done. But that's sort of the only level of advice I go to get one. Are these online ones legitimate or... Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no. Maybe you can't answer it. Uh, no, that's, it's a great, it's a great question, but one that I would, um, I would, I would have to kind of not answer because right. um, I would be very worried that somebody from either whoever you could get, I could get caught on either side would go. Right. They are legitimate or they're not legitimate, right. and, and I get right. sued. So I'd, I'd have to, <laughs> I'd have to do what I would have to do is probably change it to a blanket statement where at any time, and this is this same goes for financial advice as well. Yeah. You know, um, if if you are gonna entrust anyone with your life savings the best thing and the most logical thing to do is find out what they're about understand if they're coming from the right place if they seem genuine do your research do due diligence yeah. check around and make sure before you're committing to anything with said company that you know they're a reputable a reputable company and yeah. they are you know someone who you can potentially either trust your life savings to or in the will complete um complete a will because there right. are lots of good providers out there who yeah. are from very solid sources without a doubt right so that's good idea actually so you can actually you could just get some reviews from anywhere you're going you're thinking of using couldn't you probably find reviews online yes it's very difficult to kind of give indication without kind of be specific but but as always general guidance is just you know standard due diligence applies yeah. just make sure that you're going to someone who's a this is a you know a good provider perfect great anything else that we've missed 
No, I, I think I think fundamentally, like kind of the, the big well, my first episode, which because I was on um, Pete Matthews is kind of a big mentor of mine. He runs that one of the biggest uh, personal finance podcasts in the UK called Meaningful Money, and um, he says the three golden rules of personal finance are spend less than you earn, mm. protect against disaster, and then invest wisely once you've got savings. And and if you follow, that's my that was my first episode on the channel when when I okay. when I launched it because if you can follow those three principles basically, you know, if you can figure out a way to spend less than you earn, get a handle of your budget, protect against disaster, that may mean putting a solid emergency fund in. It may likely be putting in some protection financially so you're insured, so that if your health went, you're going to still be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you can look to put some money aside so that you've got adequate savings and then even invest potentially. Now, I appreciate that might be on the scope of a single parent who has a ton of expenditure. But that, if you follow those three, it's very, very difficult to go wrong from a personal finance position because if you can do all three, um, then you know you will generally be fine with your finances. Yeah. It's not easy and it's certainly not easy for a, for a single parent, but it is definitely achievable. And then for anyone who wants any more advice, they can go and binge watch your YouTube channel to get <laughs> all of the detail that you've shared. Yeah, there's there's various, various episodes online, um, you know, Principles Personal Finance. I've got a website as well. It is, it is very much um, sort of personal finance, sort of wealth building geared because I'm a financial planner by profession, um, but it's all educational, um, you know, just to provide general guidance um, and hopefully lead to better decisions and better outcomes for people. And if someone wanted additional support and wanted to actually get personal financial advice, where would you direct them to? Is that something you offer? Is or where can yeah, they get so, that so, from? So um, I have there's a contact on my website, principlespersonalfinance.co.uk, coffee and chat option. Um, where I try and make them available for, for anyone just to have a brief chat. It really, the, the regulation in this country is incredibly strict around financial products and as it should be, basically, you know, you should be dealing with highly qualified people. And, and because of that, depending on the financial need, it, I would say it may be the case that there's a lot of things that I can't help with, especially if it's around the budgeting aspect, um, because that's effectively just something that's very difficult to do so on a cost-effective basis. It doesn't make a lot of sense to pay a couple of hours fee to do a budget when mm. that's going to ham- harm your budget, basically. Um, yeah. However, if it does come to the position where you are considering things such as, um, you know, am I adequately insured? Um I haven't looked at my pension for ages. I'm I'm concerned about that. Or, you know, I'm thinking about investing, but don't know where to start. Of course, you know, reach out to me. The first chat's without obligation. And I will give you an honest opinion um, about whether I can help you or not. And there's no charge for initial chat. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time. I think it's been so useful. Um, I think it'll really help a lot of people with where to start. And I'm sure you should see some traffic of people going for more information on certain topics that I know that I get asked a lot. So thanks very much. Lovely to chat to you. Oh, no. Great chatting to you, Mom. Thanks very much for having me on. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Stalker Life podcast, I'd hugely appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe. I look forward to seeing you again next week.